0: Lord, would you open our hearts and our minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as your scriptures are read and as your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Our scripture reading today is from the book of Joshua fourteen, ten to 15. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years, since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Hebron used to be called Kiriath Arba, after Arba, who was the greatest man among the Anakites. Then the land had rest from war. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, It is a privilege this morning to have you with us, uh, Pastor Ian.
1: Uh, Pastor Ian was uh, my boss uh, in Ontario. Uh, He was the district superintendent while I was the district youth director and worked with him. Uh, Come to know him as a friend, but also as a man of faith and a man who loves Jesus. He has an incredible sense of humor, um, as I'm sure you'll find out this morning. Uh, But above that, I was so impressed and encouraged to hear your vision for the church moving forward. Uh, You're amongst friends. Uh, We are privileged to have you here with us and pray God's blessing upon you as you minister to us this morning. Uh, Let's welcome Pastor Ian this morning. Well, good morning. Well, thank you for that very nice welcome. One of the things that a person to a new role has to get used to is to, you know, exploring new territory, meeting new people, putting faces to names that you've heard of before. And I tell you, five months in now, I'm enjoying this much more than I ever imagined. I thought traveling the district of Canada Central, Canada Quebec, being in a different church each Sunday in that context was a joy. But I've I've got to say, and I say this with the greatest of respect for Canada Central District, it is in my rearview mirror. If it wasn't. I would not be able to give the leadership in this new role. And one of the things that I fear greatly as an individual is moving on uh, to new assignments clinging to the past. And there's a good reason for that. When I left the Bethel Church in Mississauga uh, to another assignment, about a week after the decision was made, I had a massive change of mind. So I went to the district superintendent, at that time, Lauren McMillan, who was like a military general. And I remember quaking in my boots as I went to his office. And, and he said, what I, no, he didn't say, what can I do for you? He said, why are you here? Which is always a, if anybody comes to your office, don't start with that. Just say, what can I do for you? Not why are you here? I said, I think I've made a big mistake. And uh, since Bethel has not called another pastor, I think it'd just be best for me to go right back not on your life, he said. You're not. And that's the final word. And the meeting lasted three minutes and I left. And I learned a valuable lesson in those three minutes. You got to move on. Sometimes you just have to move on. And that has stuck by me in this new assignment. Pastor Stu, Ruth Ann, beautiful family. What can I say? Thank you. I, I must admit, when he told me that he was moving to this assignment from a plum job on the Canada Central District where we played tennis more often. That was good for us. Uh, I, I, I I was devastated, probably is a good word. I didn't want you to go. I tried every way to convince him that you just were bad people and he shouldn't come here. But God had a purpose. And that purpose has unfolded as I listen to Riley and, and, and as I see the reality. I, I just give thanks to God for moving you to the place of his choice, both of you and to your lovely family. Well, I love this worship. Bob, right? Well, I'm not sure if it's Bob Seeger, Dr. <laughs> Hook, or Meatloaf, <laughs> but, but he's better than all of those guys he's better than all of those guys. He, yeah, he is. In fact, you get a chance. Google, uh, oh, I better be careful. My wife told me never to do this. But anyway, Google, uh, mm, yeah, now I can't even. Disturbed. The, the name of the guy is Disturbed, and he sings Sounds of Silence you got to Google it and listen. He has a range that goes from deep down to way up. And I just thought I was, I was listening to disturbed here, but (laughs) I was listening to Bob and the band. Thank you very much. Jay Pullen, I've come to know and appreciate you so much as we serve together on the board of governors. And now as I see you in your natural habitat, you fit. (laughs) Now uh, at the board of governors meeting a couple of times now, because it's relatively new to me, uh, Jay and I have had an unofficial competition as to who wears the flashiest socks at the board meetings, right? Now, these aren't bad. These are kind of shamrocks, blue on blue, but he always wins. And in an official competition, he got first prize. So I've got something for you. Jay, would you come up? And I, uh, I want you to have these beautiful socks. Now, these are winners, right? Um, oh, you need them, right? And they, they are from Ambrose. So oh, wow. you put those on, and I'd put them on now if Thanks. I were you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good. So now it's quits. No more competition. You win. I concede. I concede. Caleb. Caleb, a man with a different spirit altogether. Uh, The Bible uh, leaves no room for us to speculate about that. It's it's not that we take the weight of scriptural evidence and we somehow say, oh, he must have had a different spirit. No, the, the Bible spares us that debate and actually tells us that he has a different spirit. In Numbers chapter 14, verse 24, listen to these words. Because my servant Caleb has a different spirit. And because he follows me wholeheartedly. And if you notice the scripture that was on the screen for us just a few minutes ago, actually referred to the description given in Numbers 14. There's a repetition of that following the Lord wholeheartedly. So it's predicted and it's fulfilled. Because he follows me wholeheartedly, says God, I will bring him into the land that he went to. And his descendants will inherit it. It's amazing to me that in that chapter that brings everything to a conclusion that when he actually inherited the land that belonged to uh, the kenezites and belonged to those giants and belonged to those who actually um, could trace their lineage to Goliath. So th- there is a link there to great stories in the Old Testament. It tells us that not only was Israel able to take the land, but they were able to take the key places in the land, the strategic places, those places that would be held up as the strongholds for the people. And so we have this Caleb, who is, I think, uh, a man who is of God's spirit, along with Joshua. And as he occupies his place in the timeline of history, the Bible tells us that the land was at peace, And that's a part of that story that we ought not to miss. That's a part of that narrative that we need to build into the whole story of following God wholeheartedly. It's not always peaceful as we're doing it, but we do know that the narrative takes us to the end of the story where we will enjoy ultimate peace when we have occupied the place that God has designed for us to occupy. Now, you can apply that to end times. You can apply that to heavenly places, but I think we need to apply it somewhere in this day of of turmoil in this day when, uh, like chicken licking, we would say the sky is falling and uh, everything is happening around us that doesn't make sense. I'm not sure that things are actually any worse. I just think our exposure to finding out that they're bad is greater if you lived in another era, at, a, at another time and space, if you had been privileged to get the news from whatever source on an hourly, even minute-by-minute basis, there might be some similarities to what's happening in our world today. So the sky is not falling. It's, it, it is low visibility sometimes, but it's not falling. And we, the people of God who have a different spirit, I believe will make the ultimate difference. We will make the difference. We need to be organized. We need to have strategy. We need to have a plan. We need to be more than advocates. We we need to be champions, but we need to have a different spirit. And I want to, for a few moments today, explore this whole idea of a different spirit. Let me give you the background. So here we have Joshua and Caleb that have been given an assignment along with 10 other people. And these weren't just ordinary people. These were leaders of the tribes. So they weren't to be set aside as weaklings. They, they're, they're not to be described as people with little or no faith. They were realistic they were catalytic people who were sent out to view this land of promise. It wasn't just for a weekend. It was for 40 days. And they would go into the desert and they would begin to take notes and they would begin to look at all the possibilities for this promise of God to be fulfilled. And the time came for them to come back. And we know that story well. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb, brought back a report that was very positive. It was realistic but it, it fell on the positive side. The other 10 brought back a report, which was also realistic, but sort of fell on the negative side. I remember as a kid in Sunday school, uh, back in, in Northern Ireland, we would uh, somebody would find a chorus for every Bible story. And we would sing this one, Ten, uh, 12 spies were sent to spy on Canaan. You know that one, John and Anne. 10 spies were sent to spy on Canaan. 10 were two were, well, I've got only half a thumb, so nine and a half were bad, and two were good. How wrong is that? How wrong is that? Because they weren't necessarily bad, but somehow in our attempt to categorize and to clearly distinguish between those who were for God and those who were Him, we had to simply say they were bad. They weren't bad. They just had a difference of opinion. And in our coexistence as a church within the church of the Nazarene and with other great denominations in this wonderful land, we need to learn how to coexist. We need to learn how to discover that just because somebody has a difference of opinion and a different perspective, it doesn't make them bad. It just makes them different. On your church board, if somebody has a difference of opinion, it doesn't make them bad. It just makes them different. So 10 were not bad. They just had a different perspective. And quite frankly, they they had a perspective that I think most of us would listen to. And their story was, you know, uh, yes, there's milk and honey down there, but have you seen the giants? There's milk and honey down there. Have you seen what we're up against? Listen, I tell you, I don't want to take my family there. I don't want to take my kids there. There's, There's just no way. Maybe someday, but not right now. That doesn't say that, but we have a little poetic license here. The other two, Joshua and Caleb, they they came back and it might be that they started with, well, have you seen the giants down there? But it does have milk and honey. And it depends where you put your emphasis as to what you really believe. It depends how you frame what you see because that depends on how you will say it, how you will preach it, how you will teach it, how you will declare it, how you will get people on board, how you will uh, convince people that this is the moment. There, there was a moment when you had to do that as a congregation. Oh, we can wait a little longer. Well, maybe not. The city was pressing in, you know. We can wait a little longer. Well, maybe not. We're not big enough. We can wait a little longer. Well, we don't have a good enough financial base. And look what has happened. You have exploded the myth You have gone beyond all expectations and you are about to enter, not the land, but the vehicle that will get you to the land. Don't ever think for one minute that you, when you dedicate or whatever service you will have, when you dedicate that new building that you're into the land, no, you're into the vehicle that'll take you to the land. You're into the mechanism that will change the lives of people in that community because you will have a different spirit. So the Bible says, and if you can picture this, they were all sat down. They, they sat them down. The leaders sat them down and they waited for the report. They got the report and they had the vote. And the vote was, we're not going yet. In fact, we're not going. And the reaction of these two men, one that's described as having a different spirit, and this is what I love. You can have a different spirit and still rent your clothes. You can have a different spirit and still sit in sackcloth and ashes. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Just because we are called to have a different spirit doesn't make us perfect. It doesn't make us people who respond uh, 100% to every situation that we can have our moments when we actually cry in our soup. There's another way to say that, but I'm not going to say it here. There are times whenever we are in despair, not so much only over our own decisions, but sometimes we get into despair over the decisions of others that have unintended consequences for us, or sometimes intended consequences. And so that's why Caleb needed a different spirit. For this different spirit allowed him to rise up out of those ashes and get on with the rest of his life. The narrative tells us clearly what he did at the moment of the vote, but it gives us little or no story as what he did for the next 45 years. But let me guess. So don't go away from this part of the service with a thus saith the Lord. Go away from this part of the service with, oh, okay, this is what the preacher said he might have done. But what he might have done was get up every day thinking this is the day. God has told me it's going to happen. God has said it very clearly that it's going to take place. This this could be the day. So he gets up with this anticipation. He, he gets up with this joy. And I think that that's evidence of a different spirit. I do believe that people with a different spirit do get up every morning saying, this could be the day. Not that we get into the land, but that Jesus comes back. And if it's not, it's another day I have to tell somebody that he is coming back one day. I get the picture from Caleb that he was ready for the call at any moment. And when it came, he went. When it came, he did what he was asked to do. And he did it, not with a feeble spirit. He he did it not saying, oh okay, well, I'll do my best with this. No, he said, I feel as good today as I did the day I was told I was going in 45 years ago. I am as vigorous today to get on with this job. It, it, it may be a little delayed, yeah, but so what? What's 45 years in a life? I feel great today. I am ready for this today. And, and I say this to an audience that Uh, that is quite mixed as far as age is concerned. Let me tell you something. When you have a different spirit, it doesn't matter if you're 40 or 85. God will use that different spirit for the good of his kingdom and to establish some wonderful high watermarks. Maybe you're 70 years old and your highest watermark hasn't come yet. Maybe you're 80 and the best of what you're to do hasn't arrived yet. That's why you get up every morning and you go, this could be, this could be the day. Be like Winston Churchill. Oh, not in every way. He had a caustic wit. Have you ever seen the movie? Did you watch the movie? Okay, if you didn't, don't waste your time or your money it's it's boring it's slow but he was brilliant and he 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 had a he had a he had a wit about him that just didn't stop and he was having his photograph taken uh, after he left office i think uh, the story tells us that he was 82 years old when this young buck was taken an official photograph of Winston Churchill and after the photograph uh, was taken the the young fellow said to him well Uh, Sir Winston, he said, I I hope I'm able to take a photograph of you whenever you're 90. And Winston Churchill quipped back, said, well, I see no reason. Why not, young man? You look hale and hearty to me. (laughs) Isn't that a great attitude? Now, I'm not saying he had a different spirit. He had a different something. But but Caleb, Caleb was the man with a different spirit. But the others, in contrast to the different spirit, was the ordinary spirit just the ordinary spirit. I've heard believers across this country, you know, whenever they try to give a humility-laced testimony, they say, I'm just an ordinary person. No, you're not. No, you are not just an ordinary person. If you know Jesus, you're a child of the King. Well, you might suffer from ordinary maladies. You might... You might suffer from the the run-of-the-mill stuff that happens to us, but you're no ordinary person. If you know Jesus, and if you're walking daily in his light, and if you're anointed with his Holy Spirit and filled to capacity, you are no slouch. You are a person with a different spirit. And that is what's going to transform us, our local churches, where all the action happens our districts, our our country. It really, really is something that penetrates our system of belief. People with a different spirit, the ones who have the ordinary spirit are the ones who are filled with fear. That's what this narrative tells us. The Bible tells us that those who listened, those who bought the report of the 10 not-so-bad leaders, they they were filled with fear Regarding what they heard, the fear is real. How many of you have ever been afraid? Come on, it should be 100% of us because we've got to, you've got to have fear to be. I listened to Kelly Swartz the other day and, and he reminded us you you, you got to react, you, there's got to be something, there's a healthy respect for things which causes fear. I have a fear of electricity. And I'll tell you all the stories you want to hear. After, but last summer we were flying on vacation, uh, the family, and uh, we we took off over the uh, east coast. And usually, when you just get out over the east coast, just about Newfoundland somewhere, probably it's probably PEI. But there's turbulence. There's turbulence that happens in that area, and it's inevitable. And you, know, it doesn't last long. So we were just going out. We were beyond PEI. We were out over Newfoundland, and it was 35,000 feet cruising altitude. It was as if a rocket hit the side of the plane. Now, I travel a lot. My wife is scared stiff of planes. The kids were, you know, trying to encourage uh, her, but the the plane just went sideways. Now, you expect that as you're coming into land with the wind and so on, but not up there, and it went sideways, and then it went went down. I don't know how many feet it went down in 30 seconds, but enough to get my attention. You could see the nose go down. The screaming, the crying, the the white knuckles that that happened that moment. And whenever I stopped, everybody was looking at me. (laughs) That's one of the tests that you're alive. No, no, no. I must admit, I was scared, but everybody, everybody was in tears. Everybody was screaming. Everybody was wanting an explanation. The explanation never came. I said to Pat, listen, if there's a problem, this plane will turn around and it'll land safely. I was trying to convince myself as well. But fear, when I least expected to be afraid, is the greatest of all fears. Predictable fear, you know, whenever you're going to the dentist, you predict a certain amount of it, but it's the stuff that blindsides you that is hardest to get over. And you've all had that. And we have it in the church when we look at the society that we are supposed to influence for good. These people, the hearts of these people, to get it right, melted with fear. If only they had realized this, that it was actually the hearts of the Anakites that should have melted with fear. And here's why. They had no covering. The Anakites were not under the tent of God. The Anakites did not have the protection of God. That's why that promise was so real. Caleb understood it. He didn't come right out and say it, but he understood it. And I tell you this, with all respect to the wonderful society in which we live, because all people who are outside of the church, they are now where we once were, remember, outside. I tell you this, the church is at its best when she realizes that we are under the covering of God and the world is not, because that's when God will do his greatest work. He doesn't pay all his bills by Friday. Forty-five years it took for this wonderful man of God who had a different spirit to be able to be ready to fulfill what God had called him to do. You have a very talented worship band here. It's amazing. I I so enjoyed this today. But imagine if you had an orchestra, complete orchestra here, and you had a cymbal player The cymbal player in the orchestra doesn't play every note. In fact, if they did, that would be awful to listen to, wouldn't it? Yeah, just everything. No, but the cymbal player plays when he or she is needed. But they have to know when they're needed. And so when they're not playing, they're following. They're following the notes. And then they pick up in advance, in advance. They don't just pick up when the note's about to be played. They pick up in advance, and, and it brings completion to the piece. We are cymbal players in the orchestra of God. We don't clang those cymbals all the time. If we did... Without direction and the love of God, we would be what First Corinthians says we are, just clanging. But we follow the note of God. We follow his sequence of events, and we pick up in advance of our preparation, advance of our time to play with great preparation. And when we come to our note, that's when we do it. At 85 years of age, this man with a different spirit, Caleb, picked up a symbol and I think he might have just played it all the way down to Hebron or all the way up because it's the hill country. I think he would have been just playing it. I celebrate with you today the fact that God is with us. And when God has given you such explicit instructions to move to the new place, to build, to, to give, that just didn't come in a vacuum. That came in the midst of a great overall Plan of God that will benefit not just you. In fact, you will be the least people benefited by this. But the community that you don't even know yet, the teens and the kids who don't even know what you stand for yet will be coming through those doors en masse. And you need to be playing your cymbal when that happens. Will you be a person with a different spirit. I long for that in my own life. And God being our helper, he will make it happen. The Lord bless you.